Can I can I ask a question very quickly? Yeah. Is it okay if I pop a courgette in? I mean, I thought you'd never ask. Hello and welcome to Root and Bone, the podcast where we find chefs, cooks, critics, writers, and anyone else we'd like to meet from the UK's food culture and persuade them to invite us over for a meal. We ask that that meal be one that really means something to them, and while they cook it, we talk about food, about life, and about anything else they feel like. So he's helped Luke Skywalker cook roast beef, he's accidentally set fire to a large swathe of the Suffolk countryside, and he's been a food TV staple for the last 20 years. This week's guest is farmer, presenter, author, and qualified zoologist, Jimmy Doherty. Jimmy invited us up to his house in Suffolk on a warm summer day this September and prepared a huge feast of Sri Lankan food, which was liberally seasoned with puns, dad jokes, and the friendly honesty that's made him such a popular staple in British homes over the last 20 years. Let's eat. Um, and so we're here and there's already pots and pans bubbling and there's stuff all up. What are we having? So I wasn't sure what this podcast is about. I thought, is it just you guys don't get out to eat much? Basically, yeah. Okay, fine. So basically what I'm doing <laughs> is a Sri Lankan curry. And I love, hear the popping of the, the seeds now. So the uh, uh, mustard seeds. Are you flavouring coconut oil with... Yeah, I've got coconut oil in there with curry leaves and black uh, peppers, um, mustard seeds. Right. And I put a shallot in there now just as... Put that down. Um, so I love Sri Lanka, and I've been going to Sri Lanka for over ten years, and and I love the food. Um, and so I thought I'd do you a Sri Lankan curry, and I've got a beef curry, and then I'm going to do a sambal, and then we're going to do a little dal as well. And the beef is from the farm, and I've used uh, a cut from the blade, so it's quite a tough cut. Yeah, that would be the thin, flat, yep, quite that's sinewy. It. That's it. Very trendy now. So I thought, as you were coming, I'd use the cheapest cut possible. Thank you. So lower the expense. It's still it's still free, so it's all, <laughs> it's all good with us. Exactly. Half a loaf's better than none. Um, so I thought I'd do that, because it's got all the flavour in, and it, it goes really well with the curry. And is there a lot of um, uh, connective tissue in there that will have broken down? Like, how long did that cook for? I cooked that for about six hours. Um, and and in, the, in the oven, or just I on put the it, I, I browned it off, and then put it in the casserole pot, and I put in uh, a good chunk of stock, um, and then I put some roasted curry powder in there as well right. while it was cooking away. Is that a particular um, Sri Lankan curry powder Yeah, blend? now I've got, oh no, I put a beef curry powder on that one. I've okay. got, in the curry it's gonna go in, there's a roasted curry powder, there's something called kunakuma, and then I've got mustard powder, so that's the trinity I'm putting in. Right. And then I've got some garlic, ginger, I've got some mustard seeds to fry off before we mix up together, some chili uh, in there as well, and then some uh, little finishing touches. Wow. So now I'm going to just put... Where you might have put, put some effort lentils? in, Jimmy. I Jesus. I should have done, really. Um, I feel bad for you yeah. now. So what is... I'm holding a kilner jar of what I would have automatically assumed was turmeric. But I, think it is, it, I think it is basically turmeric. Couldn't come, oh, OK, is that, is that just a kind of different name? Or yeah, is it a slightly it, different it, it has... Open it up and have a little smell and taste. Yeah. It um, has the same effect, really. That's a little bit more pungent than yeah. turmeric. It's got and, kind and, of a citrusy smell. And the thing is, it. when you go to their markets, they've got piles and piles of these, and they're, uh, they're heaped up, not willy-nilly, but sculpted into sort of lovely conicals. Right. And then um, there's a little place in Gaul, uh, and it's called the Spice Shack. It's just like a little shed, and it's opposite um, It's opposite the fish market, next to the old fruit and veg market, and there's, a, and there's another cupboard 
uh, fruit and veg market. And it's a tiny little shack that just sits on the edge of a busy road. And it's run by a family that have their own spice farm. Okay. Um, and it's just the best thing ever. You go there, you, you, uh, the garam masala that I bought once was still warm the way it had been roasted. Wow. And it's like, that is incredible, you know? And what's the special connection with Sri Lanka? What made you fall well, in love with Sri Lanka? It's a holiday that my wife Kay and I had. Um, and uh, we never forgot it. We travelled around. We'd always, we always love that part of the world, that, that sort of culture. Um, and then having kids, we just went every year. And we'd sponsor a couple of um, orphans there, a great charity, uh, Children's Village SOS. So we go and see them um, and do some work with them. But it's just lovely. People are lovely. Food's great. You can't beat it. And is this one of those so things? I'm just, just oh, no, chucking no, two, yeah, yeah. two so, green chilies, cinnamon stick, half clover garlic, some rumpy. Say that for me again. Rumpy. It's a, it's a rumpy. leaf of a pandanus or pandan. Smell it. Yeah, this is... I had a little smell of this earlier before we started recording. This looks like a basically just a sort of... This looks like a thick piece of sort of tropical grass. Yeah. But it smells... It smells like cooked coconut. Yeah. It's got a really sweet, earthy sort of... And none of a kind of... You would expect this to have a sort of vegetal, sort of stringy, yeah. raffia sort of like high note to it, but it doesn't. It just smells like... It's like Willy Wonka. You yeah. Can, it's amazing. And that's all going to go in, and that's all just... this just gives off aroma, and then you fish it out, you can't yeah, use it. Yeah, um, basically, look at here. So all these chunks, I'll put a chuck it in. It's in. all okay. going to... And rumpy, I've had lots of rumpy. That's why I've got four kids. <laughs> so, um... Once... I, I knew there was a rumpy joke coming. I, got, <laughs> I saw the signpost. And I think... Uh, what was that? That's chilli powder. Okay, I'm going to do a tiny heat test, because you were saying you wondered, you wondered if it still had any heat left in it. I think I don't need to put all that in. Oh, that's still got some, some fire. i put some turmeric in there. Mm. I want it too. Well, you guys don't mind it's that spicy, do you? No, I mean, no we blow, our heads, off. blow our heads so off. So basically, I'm going to let that just cook away now until it goes soft. And then I'm going to put coconut in. They'll fish all the bits out. And then a uh, bit of salt, and then it should be really done. And that dal will take how long, do you think? Probably? I don't know, 20 minutes. Okay. Done when it's done. Done. I don't understand why there isn't more. Dal seems like one of those things. A, it's so cheap, and B, when you make it right, it's so delicious. Why are there not dal stalls everywhere as in this a country? Why I know. haven't we figured out how to I know. make that cheap, nutritious food from that part of the world part of our everyday thing? Because everyone likes... Everyone likes a dal. Everyone likes an Indian. Yeah. Right? And everyone loves their Thai food now. They do. Like, why can you not get, you know... I mean, all, all due respect to them, but why isn't there the kind of... I'd much rather I could get a dal than a grapes. Oh, okay, yeah. What I mean? I, yeah, if you could have a little pot of dal, delicious dal, and go, this is wonderful, this is this will do me. <coughs> right, I'm going to make... I've got uh, The beef I've got in there already... Yeah. So I've just put... Uh, so that's a, in a big old Dutch oven, it's yeah. cooked, it's been set, and the beef is kind of you can um, see all the jelly. solidified on the top. Yeah, all the jelly there, and that will break apart. See? And that's super tender, yeah, 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 like an Irish stew. Yeah, and so... Uh, I'm and if you put coconut on it as I've well. I've just put um, some concentrated coconut solid on there. Okay. The thing with Sri Lanka is that they've got lots of coconut groves. Right. And coconut, it's a bad day if you don't have coconut in your food in Sri Lanka, basically. Okay. So there is... Um, uh, a big tradition of having coconut, and I, there's a lot of coconut in So coconut, I'm going to fry off some of these bits in here with the yeah. onion to add to that with uh, 
some of the curry and other bits and bobs I'm going to put in. And that's coconut oil that you're going to fry it all that's in. That's coconut oil. I'm going to put that on the pan. So I've done the curry in two bits, really. I've pre-cooked the meat, and I'm going to do the onions and some of the veggies. So remind me, we've got to go and pick some spinach okay. from the garden uh, for uh, the doll. For the doll. We Just for, to fold it in at the last we minute. We mustn't forget that. No, we won't. Because I always <coughs> forget uh, to add the temper. Oh, geez, I've just added the temper, haven't I? That's talking to you, that is. Yes. People, people are often disarmed. So what I've done in my doll, if I've lost my temper. <laughs> so the temper... Come on, like how many more gags have you got so planned? So the temper... Just one curry. The temper is a bit of coconut oil. Yeah. With the seeds and the... With my mustard seeds. Yeah. Oh, man. So why is that in the wrong order? Because you don't want... The, you, don't, you add it at the end, because it it's basically just adds that wonderful smoothness of flavour. It's like putting Parmesan on, right, on a nice right, risotto right, right, or something right, yeah, like okay, that yeah. and drizzle of olive oil. So you want to put the temper just at the end. So I'll make another temper. And throw that in as well. You just have to get on with it now. Because Fine. you've just got some, some of these in there. So I'll do another one. But don't forget to remind me not to, to lose my temper. To re-temper. To re-temper. And get some spinach. And get some spinach. I will do that. Otherwise, okay. this is not going to work out. It's going to be an utter disaster. <laughs> We'll have to have lockdown number four <laughs> until we get this right. So where are we at with this? This is really so all dull, starting to smell pretty the special. The dough's starting to soften. It's got a long way to go. I think there might be a little bit too much moisture in there, but you never can tell. Right. And uh, that's quite a hard boil on the Dutch oven with the, the coconut yeah. and, the, and the... I'm not worried about the hard boil because um, I, the meat's already tender, so I'm not going to toughen that up. And then I'll, I just want to reduce the liquid a little bit. Because yeah. what I'm going to put in is a, a tin of coconut milk into this one. Yeah. And I'm going to put a tin of coconut milk into this one. But I want um, I want this to let some of the moisture get out first. Yeah, okay. Because um, otherwise I don't want to be And once you soupy. put the coconut milk in, will you take the heat down? I've been told coconut milk doesn't like to boil. Yeah, you don't want to, don't want to rampage away with that. Does it start to sort of split or change well, the nature of yeah, it if it I, gets too... Uh, yeah, any, any protein is really denatured and you start cooking it. But I think, yeah, I think it's more of a gentle. You just okay. want a little gentle buzz on it, really. Okay. But that, that's, in fact, you're right. I can turn that down a little bit now. The thing with like, these big you know, pots is that they... Don't take any advice from me. They get, Jesus, well, you know, it won't go well. You've, um, you've already remembered about my temper, haven't you? Yeah, of course. Uh, we're so, going to re-temper and get our spinach shortly. See, I can't tell you how furious I am about the temper. I'm, I managed to hold it in quite well. Yeah. Um, because usually at this point I'll yeah. be pans in the air, uh, screaming. Yeah. I hate, I hate all that. I hate you, when chefs. You held go. your temper. I held my temper. Come on. But I do hate it when chefs do all that scream shouty nonsense. Well, That's... they became. So you, you're about the same age as me. Yeah. So you lived through the kind of. Um... Were you about twenty-eight? Yeah, more like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, you I'm, lived. Through... I'm not even twenty-eight around the middle. <laughs> I haven't been 28 around the middle for a really long time. <laughs> yeah. Maybe around one of my thighs. 28 around the neck, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the, but you lived through the kind of first kind of lionisation of chefs. Yeah. I so the rock and roll, Anthony Bourdain, Marco Pierre White, like these guys are the new rock stars, all that sort yeah. of macho, I budget, which what, I swallowed hook, line and sinker at the time. I tell you what's really interesting about that is, um, as I just lose control of my gas hob, is that... TV chefs at the time, is it on the BBC, you had the BBC Good Food Show with Anthony well. Royal Thompson 
And uh, who was the lovely wine lady who was always- Jancis Robinson? No, the wine lady was always drunk. She Julie Gould. Julie Gould, it was just brilliant. But there was very, it was like- All gooseberries and leather yeah, and uh, on, baby wipes. The opposite would walk on the suit and say so you'd have yes. him, your man going, right, so today we're gonna to be talking about trifle and da 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 da. Uh, and Judy's got a fantastic little Chardonnay, she's going to pop out. Uh, and then uh, it'd all be on these bright lights. It, it looked like almost like a big Blue Peter set. And it's then it's sterile. Yeah, walk over to think. Uh, and at the same time, is that I remember when Jamie uh, took off, coming down the staircase and, mm. you know, Britpop blasting away yeah, yeah. and scooters and da da da. And I remember him being on that show with Anthony Ward Thompson. And I remember Anthony Ward Thompson going, Jamie going, so uh, we've got Jamie here. What are you be cooking for us? Well, what we're going to do, mate, because it's this uh, pasta. And I can see Andy sort of going, is that what we're going to do? Are we mates? And, uh, <laughs> and it's like, and, and, and it's like, so who do you think you are? And, and, right. But nobody could see the wave that was about to happen of this, the, the, the new generation of chefs coming through that are going to change the way we view food and that they be the way that we consume food on television. Well, then I think... Obviously, like Jamie's kind of a big part of that, and uh, and you know, and talking about produce and talking about producers yeah. and talking about ingredients and relaxing the whole thing and saying there's a bunch of different ways to do this. It's not a cookery lesson. Yeah, you know, you're not getting a kind of watered down version of like you know day one at culinary school. Yeah. But again, I was thinking about this on the way up. Channel Four pretty much sort of single-handedly decided. Maybe not on purpose, but like, we're going to try and change the way everybody eats. Yeah. We're going to change the way people think about food. We're going to change the way people cook at home. We're going to change the way people, uh, you know, change everybody's kind of attitude. It certainly did it for me. Mm. Combination of Jamie, yeah. you, yeah, yeah. of... Um, Hugh, Heston. Hugh, yeah, all the campaigning army. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't think, even if they'd been allowed to, which I don't think they probably are in terms of their neutrality, you know, I don't think the BBC would have ever kind of gone, right, we're going to let someone try and persuade everybody to stop throwing their coffee cups away or, or let someone ring up a major tuna company well, and lambast them on the... Do you know is, what I mean? It's interesting. So, like, Channel 4 was, was always known as the, sort of the campaigning elements. So you'd have fish fight and stuff like that. But BBC were, uh, were uh, pretty good at... Cha I mean, they, they launched Jamie, didn't they, really? Yeah. Um, and it's interesting with the channels because who owns food shifts from channel to channel sometimes because it right. would be like... It seems like Channel 4 has all the food shows at one stage, and it's definitely now all over to the BBC. Yeah. And then the Great Bake Off now, is, British Bake Off, is, is now on Channel 4, um, which is great expense, actually, by the way. They paid a fortune for a tent and eight ovens. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I could have sold them a tent and, uh, for about exactly. 70 million Someone's quid. Someone's retired from the ovens. marquee business early. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so it, it hops, skips and jumps across from channel to channel who owns the, the, the food side of it. And there's always the classic chop and chat, which is... Uh, I'm doing a recipe, chatting, blah, 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 a, a very stylized... Are you suggesting that this is a tired for format? No, not really. I don't think it's tired. I don't think it's, I don't actually, it's not even tired. It hasn't, it's already gone to sleep. Listen, it's, we're going to um, have to work on it, lads. So, so, oh, yeah, this, this one has got narcolepsy. It's just like, but it's the... Um, Mate, wait till but, you get to the list. <laughs> but it's now, it's interesting where it's gone from travelogues to now sort of buddy trips and you've yeah, got yeah, 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 you know, yeah. uh, Gino and uh, Gordon in a, in a truck yeah. going off somewhere and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, or a couple um, of people from Mock the Week in a Jeep and yeah, like, yeah. see how and it's, far we can get. And uh, it's, um, so it's interesting, isn't it? So the, where it used to be very sterile is now integrated throughout TV and, uh, and lifestyle. But the worst thing I did, well, it wasn't the worst thing I did, I remember um, 
I suppose you could say it's stealing. I I was at um, <laughs> I was at the checkout I and was at a bank with there a was mask this, on. You know, there was a, there was this guy and he uh, working on a building site. He's covered in plaster. Looked knackered, and he there was a big queue, and he came along and he had he had uh, some rice. Was it right? Rice and then like a cooking sauce. I remember that. Yeah. And beep, rice went through. Beep. And I was like, oh, that's six pounds or whatever it was. Probably back then, it's probably about three p, yeah. whatever. But it's like uh, that's six pounds twenty. And he was like, oh, I've got um, I've got six pounds. Uh, uh, right. Oh, and there's like there's a couple yeah. of guys behind him. <coughs> Can I pour a bit of the rice well, out? So, yeah. <laughs> and he's, they were suited. And I went, oh, hang on, that's a beep. And I just gave him the cooking sauce for free. Yeah. I said, no, actually, that's. He went, no. It, and he went, oh, and then he left. Thank you And then much. I thought, oh, I've committed a small crime. But then I thought, actually, Tesco doesn't really matter because, well, it does matter, obviously. I'd hate people stealing from my shop. Yeah. But I thought, but you actually, can steal from Tesco's as much well, as you Well, I know like. that guy's going to come back and he's going to spend more money through the wonderful staff that has, yeah. you know. Yeah, you've done the brand an enormous favour But, but they think that's bad, right? I feel really bad about this, though. So when <laughs> <laughs> at Christmas... It's so busy, and they, they, someone had to be on the alcohol aisle at, at Christmas. Yeah, because people are just filling their coats yeah, and, with so it, and they're the, all fighting the, over the last bottle of cream cherry or whatever. And this young girl, and I remember I could see her. I was at the till, and I could look down the alcohol aisle, and she was there, and she was bored, kicking the heels, walking up and down. And she just loved to chat to people. So it was the worst person to put on the aisle just to sort of make police it, you know? Yes. And um, I remember watching her, and she just went, got a bottle of wine, and went, psh, smashed it. And they were like, spillage on aisle 12, spillage <laughs> on aisle 12. And then the cleanup crew would come up and then she goes, so what have you been up to then? Oh yeah, but, and then have a chat with them. And then every couple of hours, they'd be yeah. like, Psh. Yeah, it's like she really loves to talk, but um, it's costing 14 pounds yeah. every 15 Just do minutes. it on the hock, don't yeah. do it on the... <laughs> exactly. Don't do it on the, None. Don't do it on the single malt, are you mad? <laughs> so, I wanted to ask you about food unwrapped in particular. Oh yeah. Because I think there's a sort of tension to doing that that I'm interested in, which is that you're on a commercial station. Yeah. Commercial broadcaster. It's a fairly, you know, it's a fairly broad audience. It's quite a kind of mainstream show. And you're on a, you're on a, a, a Channel 4 is advertiser funded. Yes. So you are presumably having to tread a very fine line between um, investigation and criticism of brands and people with enormous armies of terrifying laws, mm. but you want to be able to tell people the truth as well. Completely. Is that, is that a difficult thing to do? Sometimes. Uh, I think it's... it's <laughs> Food Unwrap really doesn't set out to... Uh, I know you're not after anybody. No, we don't, there's no one uh, we're going to try and have a dig in, but what we might do is find a shocking story that we want to reveal. Yeah. Um, and that's the that's the uniqueness of food and wrap. The difficult thing is often is the the company that we're going to visit. It's their perception of what's going to be exposed, and um, and that's often. So often you go around and you're trying to have a, a conversation with a guy that you know makes a thousand whatever a day and blah blah blah. And there's a whole PR team yeah. <laughs> trailing behind, going, "Hang on, what did you just say? What yeah. did he say about um, no?" Yeah. Don't you? Or the other He's side. He's going to bring up the cockroach from '98. Yeah. Ah. Or the other side is that um, we can't keep mentioning a brand because no. Channel Four is partly paid by taxpayers' money as well. Yeah. Is that we can't 
advertise one brand over another. And it gets very yeah, difficult. You can't go to every biscuit manufacturer because well, you want to talk to one. It's very difficult then when you're doing a story on stout and you go to Guinness and you can't really mention Guinness. So you're saying, uh, so this stout you're making and then behind <laughs> you is a 20-foot sign that says Guinness. Yeah. And it's like, oh, come on, guys. Yeah, yeah. Just call it Guinness. But you say, well, you can't because it's being unfair to... Mackey's stout, which is also a fantastic stout. Yes, but not consumed in quite such great quantities. No, but, but it's still and, very good. And doing Unwrapped, presumably, you've had to get, you know, you've got quite a good look, both on camera and off, Ooh. at how a bunch of sausages oh, are made. Oh, God. You know what I mean? <laughs> you've learned a lot of things about the way the food industry yes. actually works. Yeah. Presumably, not all of that is good news. Well, it'd be surprising, right? Because I can go to a little farmer's market and buy a product that is governed under less stringent health uh, things than you would be in a large factory. Yeah. So I think there's a misconception that large-scale food production, manufacturing, yeah. not talking about rearing, yeah. is um, always a bad thing. Right. Uh, do you get such variation and artisan elements to it? So you'll have a, you know, a cheese from a farmer uh, producing cheese from his own cows in Dorset or an area of France or whatever, and each cheese slightly different, and that's uniqueness about it. Yeah. Do you get that in the supermarket? Not really. What do you get in the supermarket? The same cheese every single time, standardised, mm. but produced to a high quality. So there is a misconception about mass-produced food all being bad, but is there a lot of salt and hydrogenated fats in lots of foods? Yeah, there are, but not all mass-produced food is bad. And I've been to factories and gone, so what's in that? Is that, is that all it is? Oh, yeah. Sim pasta. Wow, that's all it is. Simple ingredients. But we often, food factories, and for a long time, when we did a show called Food Factory for the BBC, BBC One, um, getting into a factory was really hard. You couldn't do it. People were just like, so you want to walk around and film us inside our factory? Yeah, I don't no, think so. No. <laughs> and then when we did the first few of them, and the first series went out, people were like, oh, this is a good news story. We're going to, this is brilliant. You're not, you're not stitching us up. It's not an yeah. expose. No, we just want to see the science behind it. If you're not going with an agenda, if the agenda is, I want to find something out interesting, I want to tell the story of something, it, and that could be the story of, I didn't realise that we're not getting enough vitamin D in our, in our diet, uh, rickets is on its way back. So bringing in bread. Yeah, you know, yeah. how do you get vitamin D? Yeah, all those sorts of um, <laughs> things. I remember, uh, there was only a couple of weeks ago that I learned that they put, the, they put Heinz beans into the tin uncooked, Yep. And then the tins are put into warm water and they, the cooking happens in the tin and then they dry them and put the label on. Pasteurisation, right? But that blew my mind. But did you know, but did you know the, be the beans aren't grown in the UK? They are the navy beans uh, grown in the US and they're called navy beans because the, the, they were the staple for the, the ships. For the ships yeah. And in the bean factory, the, the, everyone that works there is part of the taste team. So you could have barrel in accounts, you yeah. could have... Uh, uh, Malcolm, who drives the truck, uh, who, whoever makes the sauce, they have different teams. They're all called to taste the product every day, and I'll taste the new product against an old stored product to make sure it's the same. And each person who tastes it aren't a random, they take for skill. So Beryl's skill might be sour notes. Right. Tony's skill might be sweetness. And they have, they're like super tasters. Yeah. And even the cans are manufactured in the factory as well. Yeah. So the cans are made, which. And so they can control every everything. Aspect, yeah. And they put a tiny little. Um, uh, um, receiver, like, um, uh, transmitter, sorry, in the can, and that transmits out. So they put one can with this trans... Not, not every can's got a transmitter, but they put a dummy can in with a transmitter with the beans in. Yeah. 
and they will follow the pasteurization process right. so they can make sure it's tip-top all the way. So canning, and canning's been going for years, but canning itself is, is underrated in the food industry. Imagine life without cans. I can't bear it. Can't bear it. And the, if the, the two of my favorite dishes to cook are all like stock cupboards, you know, it doesn't require anything. Fresh, there are whole cuisines that are just yeah. stuff like, that comes out of tins and cans. Now taste this molten hot food <laughs> and pretend it's delicious. <laughs> now this isn't cooked down yet. I'm, yeah, I so this is, I'm gonna politely say that this is quite a sloppy diet. And, and don't forget, I still haven't fished out all the stuff. Do you think I should keep uh, all my accoutrements in there? Yes, yes I do. Keep them in the longer. Yeah, keep them in. Because that's going to be so, that's going to get another temper as well. I think so. it's going to get a temper on top, and I've put in extra. <coughs> and you're not going to salt it until the end. And we've got spinach to go in. We've got spinach to go in. We're going to we're going to give our uh, audio engineer quite the test when we go and try and get the spinach because our mics might last all the way out to the garden and they might not. Um, is it spinach time? So now my beef is shredding. I don't know. Shall I put some? I don't want to put any chickpeas in there. No, I, I think just from a that. personal point of view, I'd rather you didn't. No, you just I don't want, think the, there's you any, want the beef. People are going to get upset about this. See I don't think there's taste... anything you can do with the chickpea except Tri put it in hummus. I don't like it. Taste that now. So that, that's the one with that lovely um, oh. slow-cooked beef. Scalding hot. Delicious. Scalding hot. Um, Burn yourself. I've got... This is going to be reheated. Okay, so obviously it is delicious. But that is... Um, that has got a really, so I've just had a little spoonful of the curry. So you can you can taste that kind of, um, that high note from the courgette. Yeah. Bit, but there's a that real- courgette is a cook, but. There's a real slow burn, earthy heat at the mm. bottom of that. Like that's still tingling now, sort of 10 seconds later. Is that that fish? Yeah. Chili? Yeah. That, Explain, that. so you- there was so it's dried fish and it's pounded with chili and slightly smoked chilli. Because you pulled out of the fridge what looked to me like a kind of a, a, like a bag of beef mince, but it's fermented fish and chilies kind mm. of in a, in a paste. Yeah, bashed in a paste. Has it got a name? Well, no, I can't know. I don't know what it's called. I just go there, I try and buy it, and often it's sold out. And I say, have you got any of that? Yeah. Any of that chilli fish stuff? Weirdy chilli fish like, jam. Can you leave me alone? This is a post office. You <laughs> 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 And, and sometimes if you're lucky, he's got it because it sells out. But it's really good. So I keep it in the freezer uh, and then I put it in all sorts of stuff. Uh, and it adds a real savoury note mm. as well as that chilli hit. That's got to be heated through, yeah? Have a little taste so of that. This, this is shredded coconut. This is chopped, co yes, it's bashed up coconut with chilli and lime. That's the sandbar. It's quite oh. basic. Oh, yeah. That's really heated, you see. Mm. And then taste that. That almost tastes like. Um, I'm going to cook this through again with the remaining. It's fermented. That almost has a kind of. Yeah, well, I've got like the beginning of a taste of sake. I've got that fish in there as well. So ah. rather than just chili powder, put the, 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 that fish paste in. Right, taste this. I'm going to cook this for the remaining bit of. So um, that's this, chopped pineapple full chili. Full disclosure: this is a full can of Del Monte. Del Monte um, pineapple chopped up chili. I've got um, uh, caraway seeds in there. Do you put any salt in it? No, no salt. Because um, there's, there's a there's a savoury note. As that's well the, as, as the sweetness. That's the caraway seeds. That's good. And then I'm going to cook that then with the remaining bit of this. Of uh, with the, the pineapple juice. Pineapple juice out there. So I mean, that this cooks is, down. This I've still is... got a lot of coconut. We could do a pina colada, couldn't we? Well, we've got a bottle of wine. 
to open, which Great. hopefully... I haven't offered you a drink. Do you want a drink, then? Do you want a beer, then? No, I'm fine. I've, I've got a, I'm going to save myself a glass of wine with our... Sorry, okay. I've got to drive. Um, but uh, it would be very tempting to stay in this extremely bucolic location that we find ourselves and um, drink until sundown. But uh, I've got to go and do things after, which is a shame. Yeah, I think when the kids come home, you'd probably want to leave. <laughs> so how are we getting on? It's all right. That's softening up. It's reducing down. Yeah. I'd like it to be a bit more... Um, Coconutty. So what I'll do, I won't put any more liquid coconut in it, but what I've got chunky is solid coconut. Solid, and that is always a lifesaver. Yeah, you don't that stuff's amazing. If you don't want to overcook your lentils, but you want a coconut hit, yeah, and you don't want it too liquidy. This is this is your get so out of jail. So this is the desiccated coconut that you get in the cardboard box at the supermarket. Yep. That um, and it, yeah, it, you can just grate it up or it chop melt it up away. and throw it in. Yeah, yeah. So I like stirring that into rice with chicken stock. Nice. And um, oh, do you want some rice with this as well? Oh no, 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 no. We've got dal, we've got curry. That'd be more than enough. Yeah, thank you. Um, and that can then just melt away slowly. Someone told me that coconuts are the thing that you can live on longest as your sole food source. Well, the interesting thing about coconuts is that it's a seed. So think of it as a time capsule. When you look at paradise beaches and stuff where the coconut is leaning over the water. That is the, the coconut trying to deposit its, its seeds back into the ocean to then carry on to the next island. So in that coconut is everything that baby plant needs. So it's all its to nutrients. On a, and on, a, on a desert island. And it's a complement of survive a of journey water. across the sea. Absolutely. A salt, a, a salt water journey. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, big and hairy, it's buoyant, and it'll float off and it'll be washed up on a beach and then it's got all the moisture it needs to germinate and all the rest of it. But I heard that during the Second World War, um, <coughs> British, British prisoners of war um, would use coconuts and plumb into the coconut in straight into the vein as plasma because it has all the electrolytes you needed. So wow. for really dehydrated yeah. people, so medics would use coconuts and hang them up like you would plasma. And yeah, like a straight bag, yeah. And it is a lovely thing, drinking green coconut when you have it. And times I've been in Sri Lanka or lots of other countries that produce coconut, it's just one of those amazing things. You've got, it's got everything you need. But in Sri Lanka, the coconut industry is massive and there is a shortage of coconuts. Um, we've all got into coconuts now in the West and everything else. Yeah. And the prices have gone up for a lot of the locals. Has that made it harder for people to eat what should have been a cheap staple? Yeah. It um, always happens though, with any kind of food happens. trend. Like quinoa, right? We yeah. all of a sudden decimated the sort of quinoa industry. Or we were talking to a chef a couple of weeks ago, a guy called Santiago Lastra, yeah. who has a restaurant called Col in Marylebone, and he won't import avocados or limes for the restaurant. The avocado, because he says it's all, um, there's too much cartel involvement in oh, the God. avocado so trade. So there's, there's the, I went to an avocado plantation in Spain, and actually the organized crime and everything else, because avocado is a crop you can store on the tree, it doesn't ripen like an apple. You yeah. can you, you pick it, you ripen it afterwards. Um, is is um, you know you can go and steal harvest, and it's worth just it's, nick the yeah. whole thing, and it's worth it's worth a fortune as well. Right. But avocado's amazing. I mean, I, I think that we've we've gone mad, too mad with avocado. We've turned luxury into an everyday affordable commodity. But I was thinking about avocados as a tree. Why would you produce something so expensive, so fleshy and rich? Yeah with a massive great pip. What animal was out there to eat that? Yeah. And then I was reading a bit of the history and apparently it would have been some of the old megafauna that would have been alive. The giant animals would have eaten these 
enticed these big, rich it. things and big old pip like that and would distribute it. And it's only man that's saved the avocado from going to extinction, um, which I always think is fascinating. But so yeah, dinosaur avocado, food. But yes, but saying yeah, dinosaur food. But saying that, so the idea of having stuff and where it's outstripping the the the, the indigenous population's ability to get it is is bad news. But I guess that's it's part of the. You must have an opinion on the on the having seen so many food factories, having looked at larger scale food production and you know issues of logistics and transportation, all that kind of stuff. If all the world decides exactly that it's, they're going to go avocado nuts, or they're going to go quinoa nuts, or they're going to go um, uh, goji berry yeah. nuts, there's not enough of those things in the world to satisfy no. that demand. So the rise of veganism, for example, has put a lot of strain on certain things like avocados and and has uh, caused various problems like that. And it, I think that we do, we do have a massive effect. It's, um, but you, you never really think of it when you're shopping, though. No. You, know, you think, oh, I'm going to have that tonight. Yeah. That'd be great. You never think about the knock-on effect. It's always, it's always a very hard thing. I mean, I've seen lots of things when I've been traveling. And, and you, know, you, get, you go to Kenya, you go, green beans yeah. exported all the way to the supermarket. Yeah. We can grow green beans here. And I spoke to the agronomist and I said, too many Kenyans eat green beans because there's a situation in Kenya, lots of really hungry people. Yeah. He said, no, we don't eat green beans at all. But it, it offers jobs and it's a, a crop that we'll fly to the UK and sell. And I was like, well, hang on a minute, we're growing our own green beans. And he's like, well, this is important for us. So we'll send them on a plane that's a, mm. a, 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 a chartered flight that holidaymakers are coming over anyway. Um, send them to the UK. So it doesn't go back empty. Yeah, and he said, and I, we need the cash. I was like, but you could eat the green beans. He said, well, look, have you got a flat screen TV? I went, yeah. He said, well, I want one as well. Yeah. And I was like, right, okay. Yeah. So in a, in a way, there's, you've got to be careful in some ways. But then you look at madness, for example. I went to Egypt, and our demand for early potatoes throughout the year right. were early potatoes like jerseys or the little Cornish, small ones, yeah, you know, Cornwallies, all those kinds of things. Our demand for it, and because they're so expensive, the drive for the supermarkets to make it cheaper yeah. to break that model um, is to go to somewhere like Egypt and go, oh, grow it in sand. Use that ancient aquifer below you to irrigate mm. it and then export them. And the madness is the seed potato comes from Scotland, gets sent out to Egypt, grown in the desert with an unsustainable aquifer. Yeah. They're dug up, they're packed with a sprinkle of Irish peat to make them look like they've got Which some soil. Which has also been flown in yeah. from somewhere. Then, then, then we ship them to England to sell to us. Oh, and crazy. it's like, well, hang on, what the, what's all that about? Yeah. And then uh, there was a container coming to Felix though that split and then we had them to feed the pigs. <laughs> wow. We've just been out into your lovely garden where they're building a bar the size of a city centre <laughs> Wetherspoons. Um, obviously a little classier. Um, and we have picked, well, you have picked uh, spinach from your lovely yeah. vegetable garden. So, uh, the spinach is, tends to be flowering quite a lot. I'm just going to strip the leaves off because I'm going to wilt it all down so I don't want the big old thick stalks in it. So this doesn't taste like supermarket spinach. Well, It's got a kind of... Um, earthiness to it. Mm. The supermarket spinach you buy will be that baby perpetual leaf. baby leaf type stuff. Yeah. This is more, looks a bit more like chard. Yeah, it's a bit kind of chunkier, isn't it? Yeah. A bit, a bit more... Um, um, and I'm just ripping. rustic. Ripping and ripping. Aphids and all. So, I mean, not, not to kind of point out the obvious, but this is, this is a pretty nice life you've got for yourself, Jimmy. It's all right. It you've looks, done all right, mate. It, it's all right. It looks, it looks, it's one of those things, you go, what a beautiful swan, and underneath the, the old feet are going. 
But I think um, for a long time, I, I'm lucky that my wife and I share the same goals and that we're not really interested in cars, uh, not really interested in loads of flashy clothes and being seen at certain restaurants and all that kind of stuff. What we like is just be able to have a cup of tea in the garden, yeah. nice view, we like, we like gardening, we like nature, we like landscapes. So we're together, we had to build that, you know, and I've got friends that have got buy supercars and blah de blah. Yeah. I've got an army Land Rover out there, um, and that does me, and a, and a motorbike. But I, um, so we, we spend our money in other ways, I suppose. So building a bar might seem crazy, but I thought, actually, we haven't had any holidays really at all. Mm. So the money, not even half the money we spend on holidays, we're going to build a bar, and that will be, you know, for good times and creating memories. Yeah, that's a lifetime of enjoyment, right? Oh, yeah, my God, yeah. And it's going to cost a fortune to stock it, I reckon. <laughs> and as your public profile kind of got bigger and you became more and more kind of recognised and, and uh, you know, into being sort of piped into more and more people's homes... Yeah. Was that a difficult thing? Was it a bit, a bit uncomfortable for a while? No, but I remember the first time I was at, I was at the Cash and Carry... And it's when the first show ever went out and being conscious of someone going, oh, I saw you on the set. And I was just in the queue waiting to pay for my, you know, uh, whatever. And it's, um, that's like, oh, yeah. Um, so, and I, I feel, uh, I don't know, I, I get quite a lot of things, which is funny, where someone will recognise you, but they can't really place you. And I remember being at a service station, we were going from one location to another, and <clears throat> we stopped for some food. And I was sitting there on my own, the crew were off somewhere, and this woman came up, and her daughter was with her, and her daughter just wandered off to do something, and she went, oh, hello, good to see you, what are you doing here? I went, oh, I'm here working at the moment. Oh, are you? Oh, God, yeah, nice, and right, and have you been? I went, yeah, fine, she's lovely to see you. I said, oh, thanks very much. And, um, you know, how's Sandra? I was like, this woman doesn't know me at all. I went, oh, fine. She's amazing to hear that her and Frank are back together. I was like, yeah, it is, actually. It is. Never thought it would happen. No, yeah. And, Good I, was old like, and I felt like saying, oh, no, you haven't really heard about him on a Wednesday night. Exactly. He's fishing Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what Sandra doesn't know. No, exactly. And then I had this lovely conversation with this woman, and I didn't really want to go, actually... T- you don't know me, or yeah. blah, blah, blah. And so I went, oh, yeah, anyway, nice. She went, good luck, see you later, bye. And went, and then her daughter contacted me on Twitter, and I'm so sorry. My mum thought you were, you know, the son of so-and-so or whatever. But um, it's, uh, I find that quite funny. But I had a thing where I, I had a weekend away in Ibiza recently with my wife, a, a trip away. And uh, I was just walking past the restaurant, and one guy recognised me. There's a table of blokes. And he just started shouting. Yeah. Jimmy! Oi! Jimmy! Jimmy! It's like a crowded restaurant. And you walk along with your wife, and someone's screaming. What do they do? I'm going to go, oh, hi! Yeah, yeah. Actually, hi, yeah? <laughs> hi! Come here! Come here! Come. I just thought, oh, I did that awkward thing of, what, and you know, when your toes grip the ground, and you're like, oh, I just thought, I'm better off if I pretend I didn't hear him. Yeah. But then what I do like is when, you know, people just come up and they, uh, or they've got their daughter or son that's going to start keeping bees or they've yeah. got sheep and they're, oh, I've just, I've drawn you this thing and what, ask me a question about something. I love all that. That's really rewarding. But I've never, I've never gone into it for any recognition because I always find that slightly awkward and um, you feel that, you know, you're on some sort of, you're being examined or something, you know. It's, yeah. um, I always find that a bit weird. And if you're at an event somewhere and you're standing there and waiting to be introduced, it's like really awkward and 
you get that sort of twitchy face and that Duchenne smile and start TikToking when you walk like you. <laughs> you but you have got to meet some really amazing people. Yeah. Over the I, years. Oh my love. Yeah. I was watching the season uh, Sarandon. Is that the way yeah. you say it? Yeah. Thank you. Um, I was watching the season Sarandon episode as a bit of homework last night, and then it sort of occurred to me. You know, you just got to kind of. Uh, have a really down-to-earth, like, regular conversation compared to the normal sort of celebrity yeah. interview with all sorts of people. Who's, your, who's been your biggest hero? Um, I love the comedians. So I, I know some of the best conversations happen off-screen as well. Um, I can well imagine. So Ramesh Raghunathan, I really like. Not because it's just Sri Lankan, I like Sri Lankan <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a Sri Lankan file. I'm not like... Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> He's like, I don't actually know that much about the place, mate. Do you know what I mean? It's really more my parents' thing. And the thing I like about him is that I'm he's... from Croydon, yeah. Jimmy. That is uh, the dryness, really down to earth. Um, and uh, Greg Davies, I really liked. He, hilarious he was. Um, and then, but you know, Mark Hamill, the like, legends you grew up with. Like, it's basically Star Wars. Yeah. It's basically Luke Skywalker on the end of the pit. The only disappointment is that... You, I just wanted him to pick up a chair with his hand or, or, yeah. or pull a lightsaber out and, and slice a melon in half. <laughs> None of that. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 what it really gets you is when you, you meet someone and they're totally out of context. So you go, I, I've, yeah, you're on the films and like Danny DeVito is standing on a box in the cafe in South End Pier cooking mm. pasta. Mm. And it's like, what's he doing here? It's crazy. <laughs> but I mean, it must be a great kind of... It's a great format because what everybody wants to see is kind of behind the velvet rope, right? Everybody wants to see what their idols are really like. Yeah. And then presumably if you put someone in an apron and start talking to them about whether they preferred like, you know, whole grain to Dijon, then the real person kind of comes out. You see them in a different light. Yeah. That's, that's the key, isn't it? And, and it offers a, a format for a conversation that isn't about their latest book or you're sitting on a sofa yeah they're distracted and also you take them on a journey for food as well um so you know i really enjoyed that i i, I think the characters themselves i think sportsmen and women are really focused and they're often really polite but you know um you know as you imagine them to be I think comedians are always there to perform you know they've right. got endless patter and yeah. it's they're always a delight but i love I love hearing about some of their stories, you know, growing up and 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 them as normal people because it takes them away from being uh, the comedian or the singer or the dancer or the you know, Olympic swimmer, all that kind of stuff. They're just there talking about the time they're apple crumble and it's delicious. It's a great level of it. Right? Mm. Food is, level. I think. Food is. And also it gives you something to do so you can get a bit of distraction. So this is a real kind of rainbow of a plate here. There's this sort of pale yellow of the doll that is flecked uh, with the green of the spinach. There's little yellow chunks of courgettes in this very deep brown, falling apart, kind of uh, meltingly soft kind of beef, but also then green from um, coriander. Uh, that kind of darker yellow of, um, of, of tin pineapple with little red flecks of chili and the brown of the caraway seeds. And then the coconut's almost been stained red by the chili, so the coconut meat's got this kind of pinkish yep, yep. tinge to it. And presumably when you warm that sambal up, 
that's releasing some of the oil from the coconut Absolutely. as well. Absolutely, right? so and you've got, you got, you got lime in there, fresh lime juice as well. Uh, and don't forget, in the doll, it was finished with the spinach from the garden. With the spinach from the garden that we couldn't record because the mics wouldn't go far enough, but I assure you that we went out and very manfully and ruggedly, Jimmy picked it himself. It didn't come out of a bag. And so, at this point, in an attempt to mildly impose a format point on this thing that we do, uh, we, we knew you were going to cook a Sri Lankan curry, didn't know exactly what, so we try and pick something in advance that we think will go with it, and, but if it doesn't, you can say, like, it's not... Um, uh, yeah, I'm not going to do the old... Oh, it's delicious. This is delicious. <laughs> so, my thinking was that because uh, we're going to have a kind of a lot of citrusy kind of high notes, and uh, we were going to have a lot of kind of vegetable flavours and a lot of chilli. Like traditionally, Riesling's quite good. The dryness of that, a kind of slightly grassy, minerally quality. Yeah, lovely. You don't want something super floral and perfume that's going to fight with the perfume that's already in here. Um, and this is a Naus Riesling from Wurttemberg in Germany. It's a low intervention Riesling. Because um, uh, they're just starting to kind of do the traditional stuff in a slightly more natural way in some parts of the world, and we should try it and see whether or not it's any good. And with the Riesling, is that often it's had a bad name, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it could, that sweet stuff that we you might have nicked out of your parents' drinks cabinet yeah. in the seventies was filth. It's awful. But this stuff, a, like a really good Riesling that tastes like cut grass and stone and minerals, and uh, is is one of my favourite things. It's just beautiful. Okay, so, just dishing up for everybody here, uh, for Steve on the camera, and for Thomas, uh, who's doing the audio recording, and for Jimmy as well. We'll give everyone a glass of wine, and then we'll um, pretend it's delicious. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh so good. Um, melts in the mouth, mate. Grab your, <laughs> grab your, yeah, oh yeah. It's got a real chilli kick. Oh yeah, it just, got, it just falls off the fork. <laughs> got a real mouthfeel to it. Mmm, so savoury. <laughs> Listen, think about what I think about how hard it is for like Giles Corrin. Oh yeah. Or Jay Rayner. Yeah. It's just like I can't melt anything more. What I can't else can I like, say. I can't I can't say The best thing I heard is one presenter saying had to talk about a dish she made and she'd only just started and then she was asked to describe it and she went she ate it and I went, What's it like? Undescribable. <laughs> anyway, cheers. Cheers. Thank you so much for having us. It's been a delight. All right, so. Given all of this, you've been all over the place. You've been to all kinds of, you know, you've been to all kinds of houses, you've been to all kinds of restaurants, you've been to all kinds of different places. Has it changed your kind of attitude to all of this? Or do you, or do you still want to be like beans on toast in front of the telly? You must have got a taste no, of yeah. some very rarefied I mean, I've, I've, situations. I've been lucky enough to eat in some amazing restaurants and uh, been very food production and harvests around the world and it's been a real privilege you know like like things you'd only get once in a lifetime collecting honey from the giant honeybees off the cliff face of Nepal or eating the shark in Iceland which is a weird experience or it's having it's bizarre but having you know be like top restaurants in in Australia or in Argentina and all these different places it's fantastic and you dip in and out of different cultures and it's a real life lesson and I think that the thing I take from all of it is that wherever there's an honest story with food and and if you're not pontificating or creating a facade um then it's all good I hate situations but but ultimately my favorite food still ham egg and chips i'm with you cheers. cheers to that listen you've invited us to your home you've cooked us this amazing curry from scratch 
Uh, you've been an absolutely fantastic host uh, and, you know, a kind of a real gentleman. So we're very lucky to come here. We're very grateful that you invited us. And thanks for being on Root and Bone. We really appreciate it. Pleasure. Cheers. What a welcome and what a meal. There were multiple courses. The curry had been cooked the day before we arrived. We had lunch on the terrace. We had a couple of glasses of wine. The sun was shining. The dog was running around. That is our kind of interview and that's our kind of guest. Thanks so much to Jimmy and his family for having us over. We really loved it and we hope you loved it too. Do check out Jimmy's latest show for Discovery Quest. It's called Jimmy Doherty's Dream Builds on Wheels. He showed us a vehicle he got to drive around in in the show in a barn out on his farm and it was pretty amazing. If you'd like to buy some of that Riesling we were drinking, it's by an Austrian winemaker called Andy Naus and you can order it at palletbottleshop.com. As usual, please like and subscribe and let us know what you think of the podcast at Root & Bone on all the social channels. Thanks again to Jimmy, thanks to Thomas for his production help, thanks to Steve for the pictures and mostly thanks to you for listening. See you next time. <laughs>